Um, we do. We always need prayers. We continue to pray for you. And I needed to go pray. So I want to thank you for coming up and giving us um, a little update. And that gave me a chance to go and get on my knees where I need to be. Because this is not easy. You know, so I'll start off by saying, you know, thank you to Grace United Family Church, um, my family for putting up with me, um, all my, my friends, pastor, uh, as we go through and prepare for the messages. Um, but thank you for the opportunity to once again uh, address the congregation for uh, Father's Day. And let's open up in prayer. So blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of all things. You are holy above holy. You are to be honored above all. You are worthy alone to receive our worship. We give you thanks for the day that you have given us that we might come together to worship you as Heavenly Father on this day that was originally set aside by our cultures to, to honor fathers. I give you praise and thanksgiving that you've allowed me to be a father. And I thank you for the gift of, of Melissa, and she's my wife, and the gifts of our children. Help me to love them for what they are, precious gifts from you. I give you praise and thanksgiving for this church, this body of believers, and I thank you for allowing me to be part of this community, allowing me to serve you, Lord, in their midst. I pray that you grant me peace in delivering this message. Give me strength to endure the spiritual attacks of the enemies. And guard my mouth with your Holy Spirit that I might only speak true words that communicate your message and glorify your being. For you alone are worthy of praise and glory and honor and power. You alone purchased the deed of creation by your sacrifice through your blood. And I humbly bow before you and submit to the authority that belongs to you alone and offer you my praise, my worship, my service, and my all forever. Amen. So, a lot of um, thought and prayer always goes into preparing for these annual Father's Day messages. And as the, the day approaches, I often find that I can't speak on the topic that I originally wanted. That through the time, I've, I rather have been drawn to, to preach on something else. And this year has really shown me that. You see, I've been spending time in the Old Testament and trying to piece together uh, timelines and the stories of, of the prophets, you know, trying to understand how the messages that they were delivering, you know, who those messages were being delivered to, how they fit in uh, to history at the time, and, you know, who they were 
who they were for. And, you know, I, I don't understand how historians can look at all this stuff, piece together the many parts, the evidence, whether it is, you know, written evidence or uh, archaeological evidence, but piece together both, you know, the, the sacred and um, the secular and not be awe-inspired by the wisdom and the sovereignty of God. I mean, to me, it is truly mind-blowing. I mean, but anyway, so reading reading the prophecies and, and then seeing how all that all unfolded in history, in the texts, and then looking around and witnessing our current circumstances that we're living in. You know, I wanted to come before the congregation today pounding on the pulpit, calling for repentance from our cultural sins and warning of the the coming judgment that this culture is going to receive, that our society, that God is going to pour out upon us for those sins. Well, that's where I started this journey. Now, this is where I've come to. Listen to me, Grace United. Listen to me, flesh of my flesh and children of my spirit. We read John's first letter. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins, and not just for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, the key point here is obedience to the commands of the Lord. Now, the severe danger. See, we are so influenced by the world that obedience to the Lord's commands have become Sunday things. They become behind-the-door things, thoughts and morals that are to be separated and segregated in our minds. They're not things that are to be commingled with the rest of the world because they are at odds with the world. And we're told that we're not supposed to be at odds with the world. We're told that doing so is harmful and is evil. And if we're in opposition to the world, that we are wrong and we're wicked, that we're worthy of punishment. But listen, my little children, 
Listen to the words of the Apostle John, whom Jesus loved. Listen to the words of the Apostle of love. He wrote, Do not love the world or the things of the world. But if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, the ways of the world are not what we're told. You know, we are presented with one picture, but the truth is actually quite different. So think on this. The way that we're presented the world is this way. There is so much beauty and so much love in the world, but also sorrow and pain that we can address, that we can fix if we're just willing to do it. You know, we're, we're killing our planet, which is the source of life, and, and we need to stop and make changes. Listen to experts and work together. There are dangerous diseases that, if left unchecked, will decimate our society. And dangerous men out there that must be battled against. Sacrifices that must be made for the greater good. Because we are all in this together. Remember? Now, there are people out there who are wrongly considered outcasts just because of who and how they love. They're oppressed, harmed socially, psychologically, sometimes physically, and we need to stop it. Acceptance is love, and we need to come together on this. We must be of one mind on this. Love is love. And finally, people are being traumatized by the way that others speak and act, especially when their speech and their actions are non-affirming or counter-cultural. These type of people are hateful bigots whose existence cannot be tolerated. They must be ostracized and removed from society because they are a danger to us all. How much longer can we endure this type of hatred? The simple-minded cannot be allowed to be a stumbling block to our cultural evolution. We must move ahead. We need to leave behind the broken institutions of the past. Religion, republicanism, corporatism, all the failed institutions of the 20th century and look ahead towards a new world order where everyone is of equal worth and value, a world beyond national borders where the best and greatest minds lead us down the path towards a glorious future. Now, is this the truth? No. My children, we don't need to do an in-depth, detailed research to get a basic understanding of the real world situation. We simply need to be honest with ourselves and properly view the circumstances 
from the perspective that we, the created, are subject to the Creator in the manner that God has prescribed. The truth, the world has elevated man to be the equal of God and established idolatry as the norm. God has been removed from nearly every public institution, including most churches. It's a, considered a, a violation of social graces for us to discuss the Christian religion and a, a violation of the law of the separation of church and state to have anything even remotely Christian publicly visible. Man has become the ultimate educator of all things, even those beyond our lifetimes and beyond our capacity to comprehend. The world says we are like little gods. And like little gods, we're encouraged to establish our own morals, everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. There is no reverence for the name of the Lord. Blasphemy is so commonplace that it's no longer considered shockful or shameful. Every single day, I encounter children that cannot construct a single sentence without using profanity. To the point I won't even attempt to watch a single movie that's rated R or a TV uh, program that is rated TVMA because I know I'm just going to eventually turn it off because it's offending me so much. The Sabbath, the Sabbath has been desecrated and forgotten. More Americans worship at the altar of professional and amateur organized sports than they do at the church of the God of their creator. The nuclear family has been decimated. The roles of mother and father have been abandoned and dishonored. No-fault divorce has become standardized. Romantic marriage is so prevalent in modern cultures that as soon as the feelings go away, well, then so does the marriage relationship. There's no understanding or respect for covenant marriage that was established by God. There's only the idea of soulmate. And if you don't make me happy, then you must not be Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Gone are the days when the majority of households consisted of dad, mom, and their children. Nowadays, the majority of children have either divorced or never married parents and live in blended households without definitive male, father, female, mother role models. We've institutionalized murder as entertainment. Think about it. Now, we view those ancient Romans or other cultures watching their blood games or the gladiator battles as immoral or wicked, yet here we are 
with the most popular movies and television series and the most popular video games glorifying the act of murder. First-person shooter games. Here, let me glide down onto an island with the sole objective of killing everyone before they kill me. Sorry, the truth is truth. You think it's okay because the blood on the sand is just computer generated? Would Jesus agree with you? Murder, theft, adultery, deception. Most or all of these are necessary plot elements in almost every entertainment product we consume. All kinds of deviant behavior has become destigmatized and are now acceptable or decriminalized or the sociopaths committing these acts are portrayed as victims rather than dangerous predators. The world tells us that criminals are the victim of society's problems. The real criminals are the officers and the deputies who swore to serve and protect the public good. The epitome of this upside-down worldview has got to be Walt Disney's portrayal of the evil fairy Maleficent, you know, the ultimate Disney villain, the mistress of evil, the one who wields all the powers of hell, as a poor victim of unrequited love, and the ultimate hero and true love. Of Sleeping Beauty. Finally, almost the entirety of our society's media organizations, most of traditional media, have slowly shifted the culture to institutionalize and normalize coveting. Fantasy norms portrayed in the entertainment industry, false narratives promoted on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and other social media platforms. Brothers and sisters, you need to know that these platforms are crushing the self-worth of our children. All of social media encourages selfishness. Irrational and copycat behaviors in both youth and adults alike. Everything about everyone else is better than what we have or who we are or so we are told. So tell me, my children, have I spoken the truth now? Then listen to what John says. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. But this it is evident who are the children, or by this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this was the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So you see, you can tell a tiger by its stripes. We don't need to form committees and have subpoena powers to evaluate the, the present condition of our world. We have discerning spirits. We have the knowledge of right and wrong, of righteousness and unrighteousness. We know what is good and evil if we are only willing to admit it. So let's take a brief look at our institutions, my children, and do not be deceived. Politically, we're a mess. I mean, there is no unity. Not in our country, and not in any other country. The majority of the quote-unquote free world is ruled by unelected bureaucrats with unchecked powers. Even at low levels in our, our state municipalities, political offices are corrupt. They're manned by lifelong party loyalists whose selfish desires is only power and prestige. I see no strong rods, no righteous men and women, no one confessing Christ as their guiding influence. I see no one in politics calling out sin and calling for repentance. No one. Economically, it's just as bad, or if not worse. Again, our, our economic systems are influenced by the elite. Wealthy individuals whose admitted goal is the remaking of the world order into a separatist, feudal hierarchy where the wealthiest oligarchs control and own everything, while the remaining 99.9% .9 of society live their blissful lives of servitude and, quote, own nothing and are happy, end quote. Culturally, I mean, do we really need to look there? Because it is sickening. Just recently, a tenured professor of ethics from Oslo Metropolitan University called for the destigmatization and normalization of pedophilia. Opposition to any cultural popular position has become an invitation to harassment, public humiliation, doxing, or canceling. Take the wrong position and you risk your job your family's security, and most likely even your own personal safety. And that brings us to morality and the church. What has become of the church in our society? Rather than point a finger the splinter in my brother's eye, I'll simply quote Charles Finney from the article 
from 1873. Charles Finney wrote, If immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of consciousness, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. And if our politics become so corrupt that the very foundation of our governments are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. So what can we compare the the modern church to, if not the church of Pergamum? Modern churches become a stumbling block to real believers, encouraging immorality and preaching false gospels. All kinds of heresy have been adopted by the church, including universalism and the teaching of the Nicolaitans, the freedom through Christ partake in sin without consequence. But what does Jesus say to the church of Pergamum? He says, therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. And so, my children, what conclusions can we make? Listen again to the the words of the Apostle John. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God, and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Do not be deceived, my children. Are these spirits influencing us from from politics, from the market, from the media, from the modern church? Are these spirits from God or spirits from the enemy, the devil? Stop thinking of the world and those in it as good people in a fallen world, but rather what people truly are. Children of darkness. Evil influences corrupting the Creator's testimony.
Do you remember how the Gospel of John begins? He writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This is confirmed by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Colossians, where he wrote, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, since we've stopped listening to what we're told the world is supposed to be like, and looked for ourselves, and since we've tested the spirits of the world and the institutions surrounding us, and knowing these things, that this world and all in it have been created by and for Christ and his glory, how are we to respond? What is it we should be doing? I mean, how can we continue going on in this world that's so wicked and so bent on distracting and pulling us away from our path of righteousness? Are we to wage war against our adversaries? Are we to separate ourselves from the worldly wickedness and congregate with true believers whose fruit is evident and whose spirits are proven from God? My little children, and I'm looking over here because you have been my little children. Since you were young, we've been preparing you for this moment. Time and again, year after year, we've returned to Paul's teachings in Ephesians, and sermons during a message in classroom, during discussions, and when we were running around the parking lots, squirting each other in water wars. Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done so, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helm of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. So how can we continue going on in this world? Well, because he is our strength and our shield, a strong tower in our time of need. Are we to wage war? Yes, spiritual warfare, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. For Christ is our advocate in heaven and hears all of our prayers. Are we to separate ourselves from the worldly wickedness and congregate with only true believers? Well, yes, but if you love the Lord, then you must be obedient to him and go out into the world to preach the gospel and to make disciples. You see, there's there's no easy answer here. And it's much more difficult in action than even in thought. I mean, some of us are missionaries of mercy. Others, warriors of apologetics. Some are pastors to the hurt and the wounded. Others are preachers, fire and brimstone. See, the kingdom of heaven is not populated by a single profession. Paul reminds us that we each need to use our unique gifts. But there is a a fine line here. You know, Jesus told the disciples, talking about those who would not receive them, he said, knock the dust from your feet and move on. Peter, Peter tells us in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. You know, but most importantly, the way we're supposed to respond is we are going, we must be ready and eager for the return of the Lord. We should be waiting and watching and wanting his appearance. Our hearts should be burning with a desire for the our coming together with Christ and a renewal of this earth. Each day that we spend watching and waiting is another day closer to the return of the Lord. Listen, my children, open your eyes and do not be deceived. There are wars and rumors of wars. Nations rise against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. There is disease and pestilence and famine and earthquakes. And what did John hear the angel say? A quart of wheat for a Daenerys and three quarts of barley for a Daenerys. Do not harm the oil and the wine. So are you feeling squeezed by those food and energy prices yet? We need to be like the wise bridesmaids with trimmed wicks and extra oil, watching and on the ready. We are to be like the wise servants working 
diligently so that the master does not catch us unaware. It doesn't matter if Christ returns tomorrow or in another thousand years. As long as we are doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is serving him out of love. Is that what you're doing? How much do you value your salvation? What is the worth of where you will spend eternity? Let's close with these final words from John. He writes, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And if we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And I will add, close your ears to false prophets and do not be deceived by evil spirits. Be joyful in your worship and love one another. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we praise you for your majesty. You alone are worthy of praise and honor and glory. You alone are all-powerful. We give you thanks for the forgiveness of sins that you have offered to us. We're grateful for our opportunity to be able to approach your throne of majesty with our prayers and that you would take up those prayers and consider us your children. Father, we ask you for the strength to stand in these wicked times. We ask you for the strength to call out evil where evil exists and to be able to support one another in love and compassion Father, we know that you have promised that things will get worse and worse. There will be a great falling away. We have read the accounts of the things that are yet to come in the end days as you prepare to return and redeem the world. But we give you thanks that you have punished sin and that you took that punishment upon yourself, or we would be forever lost. We submit to your power. We submit to your wisdom. We submit to your plans. And bow our knee and agree with those in heaven, saying, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Worthy are you and the Lamb receive our prayers, our praise, our worship. Help us 
to stay in this mindset as we go out from here into the world to do spiritual battle, to be witnesses, to be your ministers of mercy and your professors of prophecy. And as we turn our attention now to our giving, we are thankful for all that you have provided, knowing that that yours, the entire world is yours, and that you care for us, you love us, you provide for us, and as an act of worship, we are grateful to be able to give back a small portion of that so that the ministry can continue here at Grace United and go out into the world. For all this, we give you praise and glory and thanks. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.